Hi, Kate here. Um, thank you for joining us. Today we are talking to Helen Hanlon, one of our authors who deals with all things cognitive and behavioural. Um, Helen and I are going to have a chat today about the current climate, working with your horses after a break and a roadmap for Archie and I's adventures uh, when we can get back out and do stuff. Um, let us know what you think. There'll be a follow-up article in the, in the next issue. Um, and I hope you're all staying safe and well. Bye. The human condition needs something to aim for. I think when we all sit wading in this, then it's just detrimental. So mm -hmm. for Archie and I, for me, that's um, I'm trying to think of ways um, forward for us both, not just in terms of his training, but also my mental health mm -hmm. and attitude towards it. Um, for example, they've opened up we are the main jump where i'm based is the main jump cross center for the uk okay. so as a livery we're not usually allowed on course and um, because obviously it's kept for training and competition yes. um but obviously because of lockdown they've opened it up to us not with the jumps but just as an extra place to hack etc it's got like mm -hmm. lakes and a lot of water and it's it's a really great a great setup i took archie there the other day and I, where I thought we had a really, when we do, we have a solid foundation and um, we kind of were going up hills and through water and, and then I saw a goose. I know this sounds ridiculous. I saw geese with their goslings and it hissed at me. And the second the bloody thing hissed at me, I went, I don't like this. Yeah. I don't like this. And then my saddle slipped. I had to get off and get on and sort that out. And then he saw something in the distance and he just didn't all oh, He's never bucked with me. It was excitement because he was like, oh, I kind of know what all this is about. I want to go. And for a second, I suddenly felt, well, I'd had real issues with confidence. Then I had my pacemaker fatigue because obviously I found out I had heart trouble. Um, that sorted, I thought that pretty much I thought that's fixed me. It wasn't I had a confidence issue, it was I had an arrhythmia. Mm -hmm. Now that's sorted. I'm okay. So for me on Thursday, when he did that bucket stand, and I mean I sat it and it was fine and I didn't clam up or anything, but I thought this has got the potential to turn into something I don't want it to turn into. Yeah. I want to be able to hack him in open spaces. Mm -hmm. yeah, a, the last issue was, um, the last issue feature for us was obviously trying to work on our canter because we've had a bit of problems with that. You know, I want to be able to ultimately canter him in open spaces without worrying. Mm -hmm. And I also want to do jump cross. So I don't, I want to be able to do stuff with my horse where we're not going into a new environment and mm -hmm. he's losing his marbles. And obviously the horsemanship is where that comes in and we have a really solid foundation i think i feel but part of that foundation is me being a good enough leader and at that point i did as soon as i saw that goose <laughs> those geese yeah. i just went i don't because i don't like i i was attacked by a swan <laughs> so that little thing that really insignificant non-horse related thing was enough for me to wobble and it was enough for him to go, well, she's not, you know, this is a new environment and she's not really paying attention. So I'll have yes. to. Does any of that rambling make sense whatsoever? No, that makes sense. To start with what you were saying initially about absolutely when people are away from their horses and that it is somewhat of a perishable skill. Okay. That 
absolutely maybe somebody hasn't even been to see their horse for the last two months and you know we can be thinking of lots of things and I often think you know our, our horsemanship stands at home or starts at home rather probably emptying the dishwasher you know that we think oh lockdown is over now and I want to get out and I want yeah. to see my horse um and we start maybe thinking about riding or we think oh my goodness he hasn't been ridden for two months and suddenly you start to feel the heart go and you start to feel oh you're kind of a little bit short for breath and that's the, the kind of the thought element of it that we think our way into a physiological response if that makes sense and yeah. then the other leg of that is it's a real kind of like feeling and a feeling is always much faster than thought so when you were out the other day and you were riding and you saw the geese your amygdala in your brain so your amygdala kind of processes like what's happening in the environment and it suddenly took this in and it was like i'm suddenly not okay here and it activates our sympathetic nervous system or our fight or flight and even though it's a goose and we don't really know exactly what's going to happen there and you might say now when you look back on that that oh you know it's a bit ridiculous like it was just a goose and so on and it might seem a little irrational now but at the time that feeling of fear was really rational to you when that was happening so i suppose what i say to people when they find themselves in those situations is to retreat mm -hmm. like what you did to literally just you know jump off if you feel that like your safety is really compromised that's absolutely the best thing to do in that situation because also if we kind of stay in that triggered response our sympathetic nervous system is only going to get more into fight flight or freeze and also like when our adrenaline and our cortisol starts to come up you know particularly at clinics sometimes people would talk about this that they went and they did a clinic and they don't really remember any of it when they came home and when i hear somebody saying that i think instantly you know their sympathetic nervous system was really activated their adrenaline and their cortisol was so high the brain didn't really prioritize recording those experiences anymore so i think coming at it from two legs of it that absolutely you know you're talking about your goals and the things that you want to achieve and we can look at it from the thought angle of you know what are your thoughts what are your beliefs around that but also there's the emotional trigger okay and as i said think of the thought element of it when you're at home and you're unloading the dishwasher and you start to feel maybe sometimes a bit uneasy about the things that you think you need to do with your horse that's the thought leg of it and then when you're out and you see the goose or a plastic bag flaps that's trigger we were straight into that kind of trauma response of thinking something is going to go wrong here and i'm really not okay so okay. the answer to both of those is if we have the wherewithal and we can kind of catch ourselves and we're aware of that we're doing this is to retreat and take a step back from it and i suppose in my own experience um grew up around horses and um, worked professionally with horses and in 2006 i had a very bad fall from a horse and I ended up very badly injured and so on um, and I was never the most confident person around horses but whatever shreds of confidence I had after that fall were completely gone and it was it was really a hard road to to rebuilding my confidence and now thankfully I have more confidence now than I did even pre the accident good but I think you know so much of it is like around our self-awareness as well all of the time when I worked in yards professionally because it was my job I gave away my locus of evaluation to other people. So if they told me I had to ride that horse, you know, there was no dialogue in my head. It was just something that I had to go and do. So a huge part of rebuilding my confidence was around developing my own internal locus of evaluation. 
of saying, okay, I actually call the shots here. And is this something that I feel safe with or is it something that I feel comfortable with? And even though my confidence is to the point of now that I'm very happy with it, I'll retreat all day long. Mm. You know, if I'm out and I see a goose or I see something that I'm not happy about, if you're thinking about getting off, it's too late. You should already yeah. be standing on your own two legs. <laughs> yeah. So I think, again, just to reiterate those points, that we have the thought angle of it, which is what I wrote about in the magazine, about the cognitive behavioral coaching of, like, what are our thoughts? What are our cognitions? And our thoughts eventually become our beliefs. So if we think something enough, it's like, you know, we've got it on repeat. and We're constantly inputting that into our mind. So if we have enough of the same thought, that becomes our belief. But then the other side of it is sometimes we just get triggered and that bypasses thought, you know. Um, and again, sometimes it can be hard when, when somebody is kind of triggered and, you know, maybe brings them back to a time in the past where they had a negative experience. People do get like very frozen in that. And, you know, I definitely think that if that happens to people continually, it's good to talk about that off the horse and, you know, yeah. talk about where is this maybe coming from and so on and so forth. And something that I have participated in myself around this and also uh, some of my clients is um, EMDR therapy. So my mother actually happens to be a psychotherapist and okay. she specializes in the area of trauma. So like as a coach, we don't really deal with trauma, but I have an awareness of trauma. Does that make sense of you yeah. know, how it works and so on and so forth? Um, and I found after I had the, the accident and also it doesn't even have to be a specific trauma. Sometimes okay. people, people feel really activated by things and when they talk about it and you know, they try to get their cognitions out about it, there's nothing really that they can think back on specifically happened that that causes them to be really triggered in those in those moments now i happened just to have something quite specific that happened to me but with the the emdr it's kind of like a post-traumatic kind of therapy and it's something that i i really encourage for people if they can't talk themselves out of an issue do you know what i mean mm -hmm. it kind of works with the eyes and like reprogramming the brain in that and like what it stands for is eye movement desensitization and reprocessing and okay. i think Certainly in an equestrian um, area, I think it's something that's definitely very much so underutilized that, you know, what happens with, say, when you have EMDR, you're remembering instead of kind of re-experiencing. And I'm just lucky in, in my practice that sometimes if I meet clients and I think, yeah, they really need trauma work that I can, I can hand them over to my mom. So I'm kind of lucky that we, we work in partnership. So, yeah, so it, it's definitely very interesting. And I think, you know, an awful lot of people who've had accidents or they have like a lot of confidence issues would really benefit from, from EMDR therapy. Because it's really funny, actually, as an equestrian, what can trigger you? So we've obviously, at Horsemanship Journal, we've started, I'm sure you've seen a book club where we're reviewing, you know, various equestrian titles. And I'm in the process of reading our most recent one, which is Continuing the Ride by Chrissy McDonald. Mm, yeah. I got it actually, yeah, it's a great book. I thought I was fine until I started reading Chrissy's book. I got about halfway through it and I, I had to put it down. I just thought I can't actually read this because it was starting to kind of re-trigger areas in my confidence writing because I had a big wreck as well. That's kind of what did it for me um, years ago. But and nothing to do with Archie. Um, mm. You know, I went from being... A professional horsewoman the only times I've ever had accidents like you say is when I've given um control to others and I've just gone ahead and pushed through it um but reading Chrissy's book which is brilliant 
I started to get that rise of emotion in me where I thought I actually can't read this at the moment because if I carry on, I'm not going to be able to get on my horse. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's very clever to just say this is like really re-triggering me and this is reactivating what's in me. And I find equally with my own story of my own accident that I have, I'll talk about it a little bit and I have processed it and I've had uh, EMDR therapy for it, but it's not a narrative that I overly like to entertain now. In the beginning, I really, you know, I suppose initially I wasn't really telling anyone about how badly I felt and then it kind of took the lid off and, you know, I wanted to tell everybody about this experience that I had. But as the time has moved on, it's not a narrative that I overly entertain because mm. I think it could kind of almost re-trigger me or kind of like re-traumatize some of the feelings that I had. Um, and I think what you're saying there about reading the book is, you know, that's good self-awareness to say, I, I kind of feel my levels rising now and this is maybe something that I, I don't need to, to entertain. And I suppose what you were saying of, you know, when you had an accident or an issue before, it wasn't with Archie. But again, getting back to the, the amygdala in the brain, which is our processing, uh, center it, it doesn't really think doesn't like that care, does it <laughs> no no it doesn't and you know like our brain is always there like trying to protect us and I think that was one of the things that helped me to be more compassionate to myself mm. I was saying you know my brain is not working against me and it's not trying to sabotage any of my goals it's just trying to protect me and also I think in my own situation I had a lot of very negative pictures built up of issues that I'd had and, you know, having to force myself through things when I was working professionally with horses. Um, and it took me a long time to build up that trust with myself to say, yeah, I can go around horses and I can be with them and I can make good decisions and I can keep myself safe. But it's literally like in the beginning, you're just building up moments. Mm. And now I feel like I've got to chapters of experience that I have where I was able to keep myself safe. So Again, with the cognitive behavioural angle on it, you know, you could say to yourself about reframing your thoughts out the other day on the jump cross course of saying, I'm really pleased that I was able to have my own internal locus of evaluation and jump off when I perceived that something was going to be a problem. And, you know, I think compassion and retreating is almost always the answer. Like, mm. draw back, be nice to yourself and say, you know what, that was like a really right thing to do in that situation you're preserving your own confidence and you're preserving your horse's confidence and I think you know sometimes from a traditional background it's like um last year I was out hacking my horse Charlie on the road and this huge piece of machinery tractor and I can't remember what was on the back of it came flying along the road and to be honest with you if I was walking I would have found this quite intimidating it's just like a country road yeah. and I I jumped off you know and if that was years ago, I would have thought about the judgment of other people. Mm. And I would have thought, oh, I should be able to ride my horse past this. And I thought, hang on here, Helen, you know, you wouldn't have been very comfortable to walk past it. I'd have really stood into the ditch if I was just yeah. on my own feet, never mind when I was on my horse. And again, it's like about our thoughts and beliefs. I started to kind of go, oh, I should have been able to stay on and I should have gone past. And I was like, hey, hang on a minute. That was like really very clever. You were minding yourself. You were minding your horse. And that was uh, an intimidating thing for me if I had no horse with me, you know, because it kind of came around a bend, didn't know we were there and so yes. on and so forth. So I think it's kind of about like quickly kind of reframing our thoughts around it. And of course, like we have to reflect on, yeah, like what happened, you know, I'd often say to myself, you know, could my horse have been like more connected before I got on? Could I have done more groundwork? What were some of the issues? And of course, like 
you know, in my job as a teacher and a coach, I always talk about being the reflective practitioner of yeah. saying, okay, I'm going to try and like trace back what happened here. And of course, you know, see, is there anything to work on? But also just be careful of the thoughts that I'm having and trying to reframe it for myself. So, you know, what you're talking about there, I think that's, as I said, a very good thing to do. Um, and also kind of that you're in the moment. You're not kind of overly in fight, flight or freeze that you can say, hey, I'm, I'm going to withdraw and I'm going to pull myself out of the situation. So I, I will be commending myself for doing something like that. I think as, um, I think as adults, we find it really difficult to actually be kind to ourselves. I think, mm -hmm. I, I think like recent times um, with COVID-19, you know, there's been a real push on social media and with, with conversations with people about you know being compassionate because we're in uncharted territory yeah. to be kind mm -hmm. to yourself and you know there are going to yeah. be good days and bad days but I still feel that um we as a species find it really we can be compassionate to other people oh yeah being compassionate to ourselves is yes. like a really difficult thing to do and it, uh, just going back to what you were saying obviously there's that fine line as well when you've had something happen to you um, between the narrative of talking about it all the time, but then going the other way and not talking about it. Yeah, and, and I think as an equestrian community, we are getting better at sort of supporting people that have had issues and confidence or accidents or whatever. Whereas not that long ago, if you said you were, how you were worried about riding your horse, it would have been seen as massive weakness and no oh, one wow. ever admitted anything. Um, so I think we are, you know, we're obviously making and through things like cognitive behavioral therapy and other, um, the other therapies you were talking about, you know, we are making progress, but it's kind of fostering that community and that, um, mm -hmm. that safe place almost where people can kind of say, you know, actually we do have wobbles. And I think, you know, high profile riders that admit to it, that's definitely a help that makes, that normalizes it. I think that's it. It's normalizing that we're all human yeah. mm -hmm. and Absolutely. things happen you know at the end of the day we work with half a ton yeah <laughs> scaredy cats basically yeah. <laughs> and you know they're set up as prey animals to be quite different to us we're very direct line thinkers a horse is a very lateral thinker um and I think absolutely what you're saying there is very important that people's experience is normalized and you know I've often heard Pippa Funnels talk about this the Avenger mm. She said that, you know, when sports psychology came about, she was like really interested in this and everyone was saying, oh, we have to go. This is yeah. part of training. Um, and like that, that's really kind of given her an edge. And, you know, she really talks about the, the positives of sports psychology. I think another interesting thing that I come across a lot in my work is that maybe people who have ridden as children, they often like look back with rose tinted glasses saying, oh, you know, when I was a kid, I just yeah. jumped on the horse and I went and everything was great. And yeah, of course, you know, children are often kind of more natural and, and they don't overthink things. But one of the things that I often point out to people around that is better our brain development. So when we're children, our brain is developing at a rapid rate and our, our prefrontal cortex is not like fully hooked up. Okay. And our prefrontal cortex is where all of our executive function comes from. Things like looking at cause and effect, things like forecasting, things like, you know, assessing danger. That's the part of the brain that really does that. And it's really not until your mid-20s and sometimes even a little bit later with men that that prefrontal cortex is fully integrated with the rest of the brain. Okay. So as we get older, 
we actually have a better lens and a better filter for assessing danger. So like often when we were children, people say, oh, I was really, you know, carefree and I didn't concern myself with things. Yeah, because your prefrontal cortex wasn't fully hooked up to allow you to assess threat. Ignorance is bliss. <laughs> yeah, it is. And people think, oh, I wish I could be like when I was a child, but you can't because your brain was not fully integrated when you were doing that. Yeah. And also if you got a fall again, your prefrontal cortex didn't really process that. Of course you could, of course as a child you can be traumatized too. But again, when we went to that same situation again, the prefrontal cortex still wasn't great at telling us, no, this is not a good idea. And you kind of get away with a lot of stuff as a kid, but it's unrealistic to think that we can return to that because our brain is now actually more integrated and it's better, it's actually safer now for us what we're doing. And I think, you know, sometimes when we look back on things as well, that it can be kind of fantastical and we create this wonderful narrative around like what things were like in the past. And maybe in reality, there were moments of that that weren't great as well. You know, yeah. I, I often hear that narrative with equestrians. Oh, when I was a child, I was able to do this. Or when I was a teenager, I wish I could go and do that again. And of course, you can still have those goals and have that as something to work towards. But I just think that brain development part is an it's interesting consideration what's quite important and i think yeah. this is having that sort of well-rounded approach to this which is why i obviously wanted to do this feature with you um mm -hmm. it's not just i mean obviously our horses training and their development is really important so obviously that's a factor but actually as a and you know as a rider there's a lot of stuff about physical development and you know working on your core etc and how to utilize yourself as an athlete in that respect but i think the mental and psychological and emotional portion is so vital as well because we aren't mm -hmm. machines and we're not sat on machines and um like you say cause and effect things that happen sometimes you don't realize you have a trigger until you're in the moment and you go oh yeah there's my trigger so, I mean, yeah. for bringing it sort of back to like Archie and myself, where we're, where I have um, these ultimate goals for us. So jumping for me is a big thing. You know, I haven't really competitively or jumped. Um, and obviously one of our authors, Hannah Walton, is working with me on a practical level for that, which is fantastic. Um, but obviously being the incident on the jump course, um, the jump cross course that we had, um, it wasn't about the goose and it wasn't it then brought up this whole is he going to be like that on every course that i'm ever do you know what i mean that i ever take him on if i take him there again is he going to you know get all excited because he's not stupid he he was jumped before i had him so he recognizes the layout he was picking up on the app you know the atmosphere and the adrenaline from the other horse because the other horse has you know that we went out with had competed regularly on this course um and they're herd animals so they tune in but it immediately brought up that anxiety in me of i'm never going to be able to do this anywhere because he's always going to do that there and again you kind of I, I tried to rationalize with myself that that isn't the case and you know blah 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 but it's really easy to go well i can't do it i'm just not going to do it i'm just just I, it's just too much especially i think when you're a mum and you're in your 40s and you know everything mm -hmm. else you just go oh well you know it's not worth it and then i have a word for myself and i go don't be so bloody ridiculous yeah you just need to make a path and a plan through it and i yeah. think you know you have to show the vulnerability you know me as an editor of this magazine 
I'm not going to sit there and say I know it all because I don't. You know, yeah, I've yeah. had the privilege of training with some fabulous people, mm-hmm. but I'm yeah. going to forever be a student. But I thought this would be a prime opportunity to like work with yourself, work with Hannah, and really pull it together for the magazine of, you know, this is something that I want to do. Be it jumping, be it working cows, which mm-hmm. I'm hoping to do with Sean later in the year. Mm-hmm. You know, any of this stuff, it all comes back. It doesn't matter if it's a jump, a cow, a goose. Mm-hmm. It all comes back to kind of having those fundamentals in place, not yeah. just with your horse, mm-hmm. but with your own yeah. physical and emotional health. Absolutely. And all the skills, you know, that I talk about with people in coaching, they're literally like a mental muscle. The more we do them, the more we can catch ourselves, the more that we develop our self-awareness, you know, the better things get for us. And I think what you said there is a very good start of that we have to be, you know, we have to be vulnerable and kind of like own up to where we're at. And I'm a huge fan of Brene Brown's work. Yeah, she's awesome. Oh, she's amazing. Yeah. And, you know, I think she's like really down to earth and I love that. And one of the things I always talk about is like, you know, one of the keys to success is support. But I suppose, you know, I think we have to be careful around that too. You need a support system around you um, that you can be vulnerable. And I always say to people when I'm working with them, you know, it doesn't matter if it's coaching to do with horses or not, but I always say, you know, this is a confidential space. The only time that I'm going to have to, to expose what's said here is if you say that you're going to harm yourself or you won't harm somebody else, you know, when they're my professional guidelines and the conduct that I sign up to. So I think about that vulnerability is really important and it's really admirable. And I think there's a huge shame culture that is being broken down in equestrianism. And I know that myself, that I was so afraid to say how bad I was, you know, back in like 2006, 2007, I was just yeah. so raw. And also, I think everything has a knock-on effect to the mind and the body. My body wasn't working very well for me. And, you know, even still, I wouldn't have super mobility in my left arm and shoulder. And the minute that I found people that I could be vulnerable with and that they would offer me support, my progress just shot up. But again, I think we have to be very careful of that, you know, when we're working with a mental coach or we're finding instructors to work with, that they're allowing that vulnerability and that it's a safe space to share it. And I think, you know, being careful with the people that you surround yourself, it's literally, I always think, you know, with my horses, um, you know, I obviously have my own supervision course or, co- or supervision that I go to for coaching. I'm also very lucky that I have my mum who is a psychotherapist to talk things through. But it also boils down to like my farrier. When he comes, you know, is, is he going to be natural with my horses and is it going to create a good vibe on the yard? And it's the same, you know, I was very lucky after my accident that I found two excellent instructors, Sarah and Chris Brady, who are both three-star Brady professionals. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they were really good at the, the cognitive side of it and like, helping me along with it. But I think I would say to people, you know, find the right instructors, find the right people to kind of support your dream and to get you to where you need to be. But again, it has to be, you can't be vulnerable if it's not a secure space where what you're saying is honored and it's not kind of dismissed in some way. Um, So I think that's kind of, I suppose, just agreeing with what you said there about vulnerability is really important. And I think as well, as a coach and horsewoman myself, I'm not saying I'm an expert, you know, I'm really interested in what I do. I'm not an expert because I think 
when you say that you're an expert in something, it really shuts down the possibilities to other learning and to, you know, thinking about other other frames of reference and other perspectives. So I think that's very important, the, the vulnerability. And I think, you know, I've seen more people not make progress by saying, oh, I'm fine. You know, I don't have a confidence issue and trying to gloss over it. Yeah. I always think, in my opinion, that the progress there is very superficial because, you know, the base underneath it is still kind of quite weakened by, you know, whatever cognitive issues are going on. The other thing is, one of the things I talk a lot about is, you know, disputing what we think ourselves. So like, you know, if your child came home to you and they said, oh, I was in school today and um, Mary said that my hair was dreadful. You would be like, oh my God, your hair is beautiful. You have lovely soft hair and the color of it is gorgeous. And like, you know, with children, we're really good at like disputing things that people have said to them. Yeah. But we're not always very good at disputing what we say to ourselves. Mm-hmm. So people say, oh my God, this is ridiculous. I can't even hack my horse. Jeez, we were only out 10 minutes and I had to jump off. If that was your friend that was saying that to you or if it was your child, you would find up 10 different reasons to dispute and you'd say that was really safe. And like also the point that you made there that, you know, they're half a ton of flesh with a mind of their own. And like my mother always says to me, it's not stamp collecting. So, you know, take it, take it easy with yourself. And I'm sure, no offense to stamp collectors, I'm sure they have their own stresses and strains of stamp yeah. collecting. Those paper cuts. <laughs> yeah, it's dreadful. But we're, we're dealing with something that is alive and that has a mind of its own. And I think even thinking about handling a horse never mind riding a horse is a really brave thing i always think of whoever saw horses in the wild hundreds and thousands of years ago and said i'm going to sit up on them you know you would just say you're absolutely bonkers to think that you can do that so again i think it's getting back to that compassion and kind of disputing i'm saying no that was a really clever thing to do jump Mm -hmm. off i didn't feel safe let's preserve our confidence for another day and another thing as well that I always say to people if your goal is I want to get out there again and I want to do the same thing tomorrow and I want to ride out onto the course and get it done uh, that can be very overwhelming Mm. if you've just had a negative experience so I always remember with Charlie in the beginning my goals were like up here and my ability was like down here so I would come up with this big thing I wanted to do today and then I would be talking myself out of it of saying oh well I have all this stuff to do and you know what really I don't have the time to go to the area today and so on and so forth so once I kind of copped that I was doing this all the time like saying that we don't have time for our horses there's usually some sort of cognitive distortion at the back of that that we're telling ourselves some reason why we can't go so what I would say is if I said I want to go out and I want to jump a course of jumps today with Charlie and if, say, suddenly I, I start to get like, oh, God, I'm not feeling great. and Look at all that washing that I have to do and so on. I would say, OK, could I half the goal? Mm. Could I half the goal again and make it something palatable and appealing for myself to show up? Yeah. And like, I really think like 80 percent of our success is showing up. But we have to make that showing up appealing to ourselves. So you could say to yourself, I'm not going to go out on the cross country course. I'm going to work with Archie in the school and we're actually just going to do some groundwork in the school and not even allowed to ride today. Mm. And say, you know, put a timer on your phone saying I'm going to show up for 20 minutes of groundwork in the school and that's it. And when we kind of make the steps smaller for ourselves to get back there, they're more appealing, they're more attractive and it helps us to show up. Um, It's like a client of mine who was suffering from, you know, some confidence issues. Again, a horse that was like very difficult. 
I would say to her, could you just show up and could you just groom? Yeah. To just kind of break those cognitive uh, distortions that we have of saying, well, if I have to show up at the yard, that means I have to jump a meter 10. And we mightn't even know on a conscious level that we're doing that, but our goals are so big and we're telling ourselves that we can't achieve them. I certainly wouldn't want to show up. It, it's, not, it's not creating a show up mentality. If you no. think I've just straight back out on the course and I have to do exactly that thing again. And that's, um, so this was Tuesday when I went out with him. So yesterday I just showed up and we did 20 minutes in school. We did probably mm -hmm. 15 minutes of groundwork and 20 minutes of just, light schooling and then I was like right I'm done but I it's funny isn't it because we are direct line thinkers the night before I'm going I'm gonna go and ride on there again and I stopped myself and I was just like no if I try and push myself through this yeah. I'm gonna go bang which mm -hmm. affects him I mean he is a dream you know he's a good he's a good boy yeah. and I trust mm -hmm. him implicit you know implicitly um mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I feel really lucky. Well, not luck is spelled work, isn't it? But, you know, yeah. I feel very lucky in the fact that, you know, yeah, mm -hmm. that we've worked really hard and we've got this relationship and that I maybe don't have some of the issues that other people will experience with their horse. And that's another thing, isn't it? Dealing with mm -hmm. the issues that you have in an animal and then having to deal with yourself as well. Sometimes yeah. that can be quite a, a heady mix. Um, so yeah, I think what you said was, you know, it's kind of reassuring that you've said that because that's exactly why I took the pressure off myself and just went, mm -hmm. go do something that I know that we can, and it was weird, and you do, you start to go, oh, it's windy. Mm -hmm. oh, yeah. You know, it's, um, there's a ladybug on the fence, there's a, yeah. <laughs> there's a full moon somewhere. <laughs> you yeah. start to make all these Absolutely. And, and suddenly there's 10 things and then there's a reason that we can't go. And I just often say to myself, you know, thank you very much, brain. I'm really happy that you're looking out for me and you're trying to protect me. But actually, I can come up with a plan to keep myself safe. safe. And, yeah. and I think as well, two different angles that I often talk about is sometimes we go out and we have a session with our horses and it's just a mileage session. Nothing went particularly well. <laughs> Both of you just survived um, and I think that used to like really bother me in the past okay. you know if I had one bad ride it was like oh this is useless I'm not going to get anywhere blah 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 and now I just say to myself yeah you've had bad sessions before and they always come good um, and I think as well when we have one bad ride it's like what I call one bad ride the multiplier effect because we had one bad ride but we might have rewritten that ride 25 times so okay. now we have the, the actual bad ride and we have the 25 ones that we visualized so we've gone from one bad ride to 26 okay like that yeah because we, we keep replaying it and we're actually not very good at replaying the good experiences that we had we don't go out yeah, and have an amazing, amazing we're alive as a species really isn't yeah. it we're not very we're not very good at this positive malarkey no we're not we're, we're programmed in that way to have negativity bias you know that going back thousands of years ago when we were living in caves and a bit like the horses as prey animals, if we heard rustling in the bushes over there, it was in our best interest to say, I really better investigate that. Because if we don't, we say, oh, it's grand, you know, you could be dead. So yeah. we're programmed, you know, that's an evolutionary thing that we have this negativity bias. And, you know, lots of different research tells us different things, but they say like for every negative thing, we need roughly three to cancel it out. Okay. 
So like you have one bad ride, you probably need three good ones to to balance yeah. out the two. But as I said, I often think of that. I'm like, yeah, Helen, if you keep replaying that, you know, you're, you're stacking up the bad rides. And we don't do that as much with the good ones. You know, it's something that, like I think myself even, thankfully I have, you know, more good rides now than I have bad ones. But I think, yeah, I should probably replay some of those. And it's kind of like, it's reinstalling new software in there to say, you know, the story is changing. And also, you know, you think about when you participate in, in gratitude practice. So saying, you know what? I went to the school the other day and I just did 20 minutes of groundwork and that went really well and I'm really glad and I'm building myself back up from that experience. You know, that's looking at that in a gratitude way. And we know that when we're good at being grateful for things, it also bolsters our resilience for when things are not going very well. So it's almost like we have something to fall back on. You know, I use a gratitude journal, you know, just for all aspects of my life. And I think, you know, I look at that book and I say, yeah, you know, we're into May now. And there's a good stack of that book that's filled in. And all of that is things that are going really well. Imagine I filled every page of that notebook to say, these are the things that are going really well. And, you know, that's very much so like a positive psychology angle of focusing on our strengths. You went out on the cross country course, you jumped off and you fixed your saddle and you kind of thought, you know what, I need to retreat from this situation. It doesn't feel really safe. You could say to yourself, that was my internal locus of evaluation working really well the next day I went to the school and I just checked our connection and I made sure that we had a good you know good connection and things went well and yeah of course you still have that as the end goal but sometimes with traditional goal setting it causes us to focus on the lack the things that we don't have as opposed to the things that we do have and that's why you know that kind of gratitude practice and saying okay it's maybe not exactly where I want to be but these are the things that went very well in this session that that grateful attitude and that gratitude practice it gives us resilience for when things go wrong because we know that we have a stock of things to look back on that were positive and you know for me it's very much you know I had 40 minutes of that ride where he was alert but he was with me and mm -hmm. you know I am very grateful that nine out of ten of our rides are fabulous you know obviously you have the schooling and the technical stuff that you want to get right and um there's that but in terms of our connection and me feeling safe and confident I do I think I was more shocked that I had that wobble with him because I've not mm -hmm. really had that with him before I've not experienced a wobble um but like you say it was the right thing to do you know my saddle had slipped and mentally i was worrying that i was gonna have be killed by a flock of geese so yeah. <laughs> completely irrational um but my trust in him is still there and i'm very grateful for that you know mm -hmm. i feel our relationship is still there i don't have and i have been there and i would never judge anyone that that is there at the moment or has been i have been there with horses where i thought I can't even tack you up, never mind get a foot in the stirrup because I'm actually so terrified of what might happen. And it's so debilitating when it's, you know, horses are my passion, they're my life. I write about them, I read about them. You know, it's, it's it, with any horse person, even if you don't do it professionally, they're a love, they're a, it's not, <laughs> just, a, it's not just a sport, it's who you are. So to then be presented with the, the realization that something that you desperately love is mm -hmm. then impacting you in such a negative way is it's just um it's horrendous. So you know, I think the more that we can talk about it and say, you know, yeah, I've been there and you know, this is how and these are resources that where you can be vulnerable and you can seek mm -hmm. support, 
I think is really important because, and, and being grateful, you know, and grateful that we have these resources as well. Um, Absolutely. And, and I think, you know, having gone to lots of sports psychology talks and different things like that, and particularly looking at with horses, really you have to have a, a kind of a multifaceted team you know sometimes you know you get instructors who are really good at the mental side of it as well and, and some people have a separate mental coach and they have somebody for the horses as well but if you don't feel safe you can't have fun mm. and i always think about you know the basics because i obviously help people with their horses as well you know you need to be able to bend your horse to the stop you yep. need to be able to get off in a hurry you need to be able to shut down what's happening and sometimes i think people have really good strategies you know, saying, oh, you know, visualize it going well. Yeah, like that's great. And then visualization is a really powerful tool and it's something that I use a lot. But if, if we don't have our horses and we don't have somebody as an instructor to help us, do you know what I'm trying to say? A horse yeah. that's absolutely jacked up on adrenaline, no amount of positive visualization is going to help you to overcome that. You need skills, you need that's the strategy from, from, a, from a horse person. And mm -hmm. I, I just think sometimes that's lacking, you know, that someone say oh well my horse like keeps running away oh you know well visualize it going well you know focus on your breathing and all of these things and I think I'm sorry but I just don't think that's going to work unless you know you have somebody who can help you to get your horse into a safe space and like I said you cannot have fun if you don't feel safe Definitely. and as being able to bend them to a stop being able to jump off being able to shut that down and keep yourself safe you know I think that as I said it's, it's multifaceted you know there's the physical there's the mental and there's emotional but you know, if you don't physically feel safe, no amount of thinking about it is going to help you to feel well. So I think it's important to have the mental side of it taken care of, but also an instructor that can, you know, can advise people on how to stay safe with their horses. Yeah, you need those practical thing. skills, don't you? And it's like you said yeah. before, you know, by the time you've thought about getting off, it's too late. And yeah. as I've, as I said to people that I'm out riding with, I was like, if I'm getting off, I don't, you know, if I get off, I get off. I can always get back on. Exactly. You know? Yeah. You deal with Absolutely. what's in front of you and then and then you remount if it's safe to do so and you feel that's the right thing to do um mm -hmm. but again it's having it's letting people know that that is an option because it is like you say that i don't want to say traditional because there are a lot of good traditional riders <laughs> that would obviously um utilize safe ways yeah, of dealing with things maybe a lot of people's formative experience in horses is around stay on you know letting them win and different things like that yeah. and I think you know I always think that that's a peculiar way to look of it you know I think the horse and the rider needs to win every day both of you <laughs> and to come away feeling you know I, I got that right but I agree that sometimes we can kind of put a lot of rules around not getting off and you know different things that people have affirmed for us in the past and I think it's around having new affirmations and saying it's okay for me to get off it's okay for me to protect myself by jumping off my horse when I don't feel okay and for me and my horsemanship, knowing that I can do that at any stage and being around people who support me to do that, you know, that grows my confidence hugely. Definitely. It's like tomorrow I'm going hacky with Jodie Risen. So she's a three-star Pirelli, but she's my friend as well. Mm -hmm. um, so I know she's a good person to go out with hacking because um, yes. she gets it and we both support each other in that way. And we know that, but I find, it's like you say, it's surrounding yourself with people that I find her very calming. And I feel safe with her mm -hmm. um, and safe that I can be vulnerable with her if need be. And she's given me a lot of support over the last five years, different horses, yeah. etc. But in, like I say, she's also my friend and we're based at the same facility. Mm -hmm. So it's nice that we can, we can go out together. Um, but yeah, I thought the best person for me to ride with 
in a hacking environment next would be her. Um, because not only is she a great friend, but obviously she she understands the strategies that need to be implemented yeah. if something mm. does go wrong. And like you say, we can't control yeah. our environment. You know, no yeah. one in any sport can control their environment. Mm. It doesn't matter what you do. Um, mm. And it's, le it's learning to kind of deal with that and, and be robust mentally and emotionally as well. I think and it's I think so important. Having a plan like what I have, is a mm. very good strategy you know that you said that you're going to go and do that that you know that that is somebody who is supportive as you said that it's somebody that you can be vulnerable with um and i agree with you you know that i know the people that i like to ride with and i know the people that you know it's nothing personal to them yeah. but it just wouldn't be how i would do business and i wouldn't put myself in the way of that yeah. and i also think about my horse as well that i have a duty of care to my horse that i'm not going to put us in situations that are not safe for either of us definitely and I, and I think you know if you think about resilience which we spoke about before that resilience is identifying the strategies that you have or strategies that you already participate in that keep you safe and keep you well so you know you could say if you were looking at it from a positive psychology point of view and you were writing down some of your strengths as a horsewoman you've named a lot of them there of saying you know I know the people who are supportive to me I know how to put myself in a supportive environment. I know how to keep myself safe. And as I said, we have to watch our thoughts because our thoughts become our beliefs and you know, we're affirming the different things in there. And even just from what you're saying, it sounds like that you have a lot of architecture around you and your horse that actually does keep you quite safe. Thank you. things actually I should have said this at the beginning of course I think these things at the end but I suppose about thinking even like what coaching is that it's really a non-directive process it's recognizing each person as that they are an expert on their lives and they're an expert on their horse and it's just kind of like playing around with different strategies that might fit them because I think sometimes people think oh if I go to a coach or somebody they're going to tell me what to do mm -hmm. and it's not a case of telling it's really about like unpacking and you know it's very much so about me reflecting the person's story back to them yeah. and sometimes even though we're saying something we don't really hear that until somebody reflects back our own language to us and it's just around like unpacking what's going on and maybe looking at some blind spots because you know I often think oh I'm really into self-awareness and all the rest of it and I'll go to my coach or my therapist or I'll go to my instructor and I'm like that's really obvious and I totally agree but I never <laughs> saw that before and I missed and, it <laughs> yeah and, I, and I've often been like dumbfounded but thinking this is, is amazing like it's so obvious and I yeah. totally with you and I'm so pleased that you pointed this out because um recently someone was saying to me as a coach like why do I still go to coaching why do I still go to therapy why do I still you know have instructors that I work with and I say because you know I have my perspective and our own perspective can be quite limiting and that's the idea like of, of going to a professional person just because I'm a professional doesn't mean I can see my own blind spots you know yeah, um, and I think that can be really an uplifting and kind of enlightening experience for someone to unpack something with you and to take it apart. And I think 
you know, it really adds to our overall wellness, our sense of happiness, our sense of direction. And like you said as well, like we're working with a horse, it's not just ourselves. And sometimes I think we're really good at pushing ourselves, but sometimes you meet a horse and they're like, hey, lady, you can do that with yourself all day long, but you can't do that with me. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes even people say in horsemanship, what is feel? You know, it's one of these elusive things of saying he or she has great feel for a horse or I need to develop more feel. And in psychological terms, feel is attunement. So mm -hmm. it's attunement to yourself first, to your horse next, and then to the environment. Like it's a three-way interchange that if I'm not connected and self-aware of myself and grounded in my body, I can't be very tuned into my horse. And then I can't be very tuned into the environment, if that makes sense. It makes so, sense, yeah. Yeah, and it, it's like a kind of a hierarchical structure because sometimes people say to me, everything was fine and then I was fucked off. And I think, you know, not berating anybody or, or judging anybody on that, but you think they were probably bits and pieces going on there before that weren't noticed, if that makes sense. And I always think that, that I, if I get out of attunement with myself, I'm going to get out of attunement with the horse and I'm going to be out of attunement with the environment that I'm in and just kind of pairing it back. Mm -hmm. And that's been whole coaching sessions with me um, in my own experience and also with other people of saying, where did I lose it? Where did I lose the connection and, and why that happened? Um, and I just think it's a great, it's a fantastic tool just to get us back into balance with ourselves and our horses. Definitely. Thank you so much, Helen. Thank you. I really enjoyed really this. Cool. Talking about um, all my favourite things. <laughs>